Warning, what you are about to hear can only be classified as real talk. This podcast is not intended for the faint of heart or the status quo keepers. Schools are big places, and regardless of what you do, you know just how real things can get at times. In this space, we will talk about real people, real schools, and real situations, so you know just what to do when things get real. It's Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. And welcome back. This has been an interesting ride so far, Jeannie. Our episodes continue to get new viewers, new listeners from across the country. I know we've both been extremely pleased with just the way that this podcast has grown over the course of the last really half a year. One of the things that we've talked about a lot, though, is at some point we want it to hit a timeout and just take a few minutes without discussing a new book or a new concept or a new idea uh, and just hit the timeout button and talk about some of the common roadblocks, obstacles that schools are facing, particularly as we're going out and working with various schools across the country in our role as consultants, coaches um, that, that we're seeing that are causing issues in them doing the work. I know we, we've both been really excited about these upcoming what we're going to call mini pods or smaller podcast uh, to talk about some of these obstacles. I agree, Matt. I think this is a good time to kind of take a little uh, pause and think through some of those barriers that are getting in the way, because as you said, in our, in our work all across the country, we're noticing some things and we, we want to address what those things are that we're noticing, um, not not to shame anyone <laughs> uh, for for it um, or to focus on the negative. But I think our goal is to say, do we just accept some of these things as barriers or are there ways that we can really remove those barriers so that we can move forward? And I think that's our main purpose in our conversation today. Love it. And, and it's just kind of that solution mindset kind of idea that, yeah, we have to identify the issues that we're facing, but also not just to allow that to dominate our mindset, but to think through as leaders, what can we do to address that? And that really leads me to the topic for our conversation today. When we started kind of dreaming what these mini pods would look like, uh, we talked about the obstacles. And the very first thing that I think both of us arrived at almost immediately was apathy especially in the profession today, coming out of the pandemic and all of the things that have happened uh, politically, you name it, uh, within public education over the last several years, it has led to a high level of apathy. Jeannie, what, what have you noticed in your work with schools as it relates to apathy? Well, to be really honest about that, Matt, I think I've noticed way too much apathy. Um, and what I mean by that is I think people are overwhelmed um, with maybe, like you said, the pandemic and really still recovering from that a little bit, but also initiative overload, people feeling um, like I can't keep up. There's so much, you know, that I'm responsible for. I mean, just being a teacher, and being responsible for every single student in your classroom and ensuring you know growth and proficiency for every single one of them is a lot of responsibility on teachers and then there's you know the added pressures of 
you know, the school district initiatives, the school initiatives, whatever that may be. And I, I don't blame people for feeling overwhelmed. I think that it's a lot. Um, but I think as leaders, we have to recognize that it's a sign to us as, as leaders that something needs to be removed in order for that barrier to be in place. So what do we do as leaders to hear from teachers? Tell me what you need, right? Tell me how we can get you on board with some of these things. We can get you to feel motivated again to do your job. And I think it's just asking some questions and trying to figure out why people are feeling the way they are. I know that sounds like a simplified response, but I think that's what we need to do. Um, we need to say, tell me what's going on. Tell me, you know, how we can bring back the reason you were, you know, motivated to become a teacher in the first place um, and try to figure out. I'm not sure that we can always do everything that they're going to tell us they need, but I think we have to ask. Yeah. Matt, and I, and I, I think the other thing too is, you know, Yes, listening to the people that are in your building, mm -hmm. but it's easy just to say to listen. Like there has to be kind of yeah. mechanisms, ways that we are intentionally having conversations with our with our teachers, with our staff around the obstacles that they're facing. So again, that we're focused on solving those things as opposed to just like harping on them. And and we can identify a thousand obstacles, but if we're not figuring out solutions to them. Right. Really, it's just complaint. It's just complaining. And so as yeah. a leader, what can we do uh, to truly listen and then to figure out next steps? And, you know, I feel like Jeannie and maybe maybe, you know, you have some ideas on this, too. The last episode where we we met with Bill Hall and talked about his book, Powerful Guiding Coalitions. To me, you think about a mechanism that can really help in this work and in listening, intentionally listening and collectively figuring out solutions to the issues that we're facing. The guiding coalition to me is just an incredible opportunity for leaders to really uh, ears and, and actions on what we're gonna do now. Yeah, so you're saying let's use the guiding coalition and the group to address some of the reasons that the apathy exists and, and take action is what I'm hearing you say, Matt. Yeah. And, you know, and I always reflect back on this, too, because I felt like it was something especially powerful when we had Luis Cruz and Anthony Muhammad on. And Dr. Muhammad made it a point that we're not just seeing apathy in teachers, that school leaders are facing mm -hmm. quite a bit of apathy these days as well. And, you know, part of that, in my opinion, um, is that in the same way that we have initiative overload for our teachers in the classroom, uh, our building leaders, principals, assistant principals, you name it they have that initiative fatigue as well. And as a result, they're trying to shoulder so much weight uh, that it's it's really quite impossible for one or even a couple people to do that by themselves. And so as we moved into that conversation with Bill Hall around guiding coalitions, to me, that shares the load, but doesn't kind of remove anybody from the process. It's not like the principal saying, I'm not gonna be a part of this, you guys figure it out. You right. are an active participant in that work, mm -hmm. but you're relying on others to help you problem solve through it. 
Yeah, you're not doing it on your own. You have the power of the group and the power of the collective uh, thinking of the entire guiding coalition to figure out how to address it. I think that's what we do often. And it's really kind of goes back to maybe labeling, you know, teacher as apathetic and just being like, well, we're not going to be able to move forward with that because, you know, we just have some people who are not on board. I don't know if, if I, if I reflect back on my own leadership, I don't know if I always took the time to figure out why, right. To figure out what's going on and then use the power of the group to figure out, okay, here's why people are feeling this way. What do we need to do about it? I don't know if I, if I did that enough in my own leadership and I think back on it and I reflect on it, um, I think <clears throat> there were times when I may have allowed that apathy to be an excuse. And I, I think we need to, as leaders say, no, you know, I get it. I understand it. I empathize with it, but there are expectations and we need to make sure that we create the circumstances where you can feel energized about this work. And I agree with you, Matt, using the guiding coalition is probably um, the first step um, in thinking this through. It's a tough conversation though. So it doesn't come up all the time. That's right. Well, you know? and I, and I'm, I'm the same boat that you are, you know, I reflect mm -hmm. back on, you know, the six years that I had the opportunity to serve as principal and uh, so many things that I know my organization did extremely mm -hmm. well and, and proud of. And, and I do think that, 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 that my leadership had a, a part to do with that as well. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things that I look back at now, having the opportunity to, to, to work with schools all over the place. And I, I've learned so much more. I would be a much more, even more effective principal now than I, I was even a year ago because mm -hmm. I've experienced a lot more. And I always think about that quote by Maya Angelou, just like, do the best you can until you know better, but when you know better, do better. Uh, yep. So I try not to beat myself up over it because I've learned, you know, and just in the same way that you've learned, I think reading uh, Bill Hall's book was, was, was huge. Having the conversation with him was huge for me, but you know, in the last week, and this is, this is just crazy <laughs> to me, but in the last week, I was working with a school who, you know, really the PLC process is they're, they're at the very base, right? They are, they're doing the work, but this is still new for them. And we've, we've, we've created a guiding coalition this year in that building. And I'm excited about it because I feel like it's going to lead uh, to, to much uh, better change uh, for their school. Because again, you're listening uh, to, the to the teachers, they're a part of the process. But one of the things that came up in that conversation that I had with their guiding coalition was, look, we believe in this work. We've been spending a lot of time this year identifying our essential standards and unpacking those essential standards and now developing common assessments. And we know that we want to move towards actually using those common assessments to, uh, to, to bring about meaningful change in practice in our classrooms. They're excited about that. But one of the things that they're worried about is, it, like anything else, you have these great ideas and sometimes great ideas go on a shelf and th on the shelf is where they die. And they want to yeah. make sure that 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 doesn't happen. And um, and so in the conversation, they talked about some of the the obstacles that they're facing. And 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 that's a great that's a great opportunity, though. Right. The the guiding coalition can really diagnose those things that are preventing the work from continuing. Yeah. And if you can identify them, 
then you can also figure out solutions to them as well. But instead of it just being one person, it's a, it's a group effort um, to make sure that that happens. Yeah, gosh, I really feel like the Guiding Coalition is such a powerful tool for leaders, um, really using that group to to do exactly what you were saying. The I think the other piece that keeps popping into my head is just this idea that um, we as leaders have to be the ones who stop for lack of a better way of saying, stop the madness, so to speak, in that I think there's times that because we have not really held people accountable for some of the work, like you said, it dies on the shelf. I think that has created apathy in ways because sometimes, and I've seen this in a lot of the schools that I've worked in, uh, not a lot, but some where it's like, well, nobody is really going to check up on that anyway. So we don't really need to do it. Right. And I, I think that that's part of what creates that like, yeah, well, you know, it, we can do it or we cannot do it. And it takes a really, a, a really motivated team to say, no, we're going to do it regardless of whether people are going to check in or not. Right. But, but I don't see that as often. I think we have created some of the apathy in the way that we've you know, started and stopped projects or ideas or initiatives. Um, so I agree with you. We we can't let things die on the shelf. If they're important enough for us to spend professional learning time on and to support our teachers in learning and doing, then we as leaders, and I mean, not just the formal leaders, all of us have to make sure that those things are expected um, and we need to, in some ways, you know, hold people accountable for those things. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that that often I see, because I feel like this, like the concept PLC, the acronym PLC has become very cliche um, in, yeah. in in our work, not, not because, I mean, obviously it's our life's work. I mean, that's what we do. We believe in it. But because that, PL, that, that PLC kind of acronym has become so popular nationwide, People often use the acronym, um, and and to me, when I'm when I'm when I'm kind of observing, a lot of times it just kind of seems like compliance as it opposed does. to a belief in the actual work. Mm -hmm. uh, and to me, when it's just compliance, and we're just kind of going through the process, we're going through the motions, we're we're, we're filling out documents and we're we're filling out minutes or whatever, but it's but it's not actually leading to change. To me, Jeannie, it makes a lot of sense that apathy would set in. If, if, if every single week we're expected to do something and we don't necessarily believe in it, but we're just doing it out of compliance because we're not going to go against what our boss expects us to do. I mean, apathy would set in really quickly if, it were, if, if I were in that situation. So that's the danger of the word. I don't even like saying the word accountability. I mean, holding people accountable. I don't, it feels negative in some ways based on what you're saying right because people are like well they're going to hold us accountable so we should comply right we should we should do what we're being asked we should fill out that form we should use that protocol out of compliance whatever it is so i don't know what the better way to say it is but there has to be some expectation from leadership that the work 
is not just done, but that there's meaning there. The why is crystal clear. I know I always say, you know, be very, very redundant about the why, because if not, it will feel like compliance. I do think that also goes back to what we started this conversation talking about having conversations with people and saying, what is holding you back? Where are you struggling with this? How can I help? Right. I think we don't always have, we don't make the time to do that. I didn't always make the time to do that. And, you know, if I could go back and change things, I would do more of that for sure um, to really understand it. And, and I'm, I'm just going to make the connection for just a minute to kids, because we sometimes will label kids as apathetic or we'll get frustrated with kids who are apathetic, that kids just don't care. I care more than they do, all of those kinds of things. And the advice is always, when you look at it from that lens in the research that I've done around it, the advice is always, well, let's figure out why kids are apathetic, what's happening in their personal life, what's happening with them, let's get to know them, let's give, let's make sure there's a um, sense of belonging here at school, right? All of those things are what we should also be doing for teachers, right? And we don't always make the connection. We can have, I've seen major discussions, you know, on blogs and websites around student apathy, but I think what we're trying to say is we need to flip that too and think of it from the lens of teachers as well. I think diagnosing the root cause yeah. is, is huge. People are apathetic for a reason. And if we take just a little bit of time to figure out where that apathy comes from, it's probably not overly complicated. And like I said, if we can diagnose the issue, a lot of times you can solve the issue. And that's not to say that every issue is easily solvable. Uh, but we should spend the time to figure out where that problem's coming from so that we can do everything within our power to work through it. Yeah. I would really love to hear um, from our listeners, and we'll put something on our Facebook page um, as well about this. But I'd love to hear, like, how are you handling some of that, you know, apathy that you're seeing potentially in your setting? And, you know, what are some ways that we can all really address that. Um, but I think the key is address it instead of just accept it um, as kind of the way things are. So I'd love to hear because I know people probably have some really great ideas around that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, what would be what would be really awesome, Jeannie, is if, you know, based off the responses that we get through the Facebook page and, and some of the, the suggestions and things that strategies that we hear is, you know, in our next episode, the next mini pod, being able to share some of those things out so that this is, again, not just focused on identifying that we've got a problem, uh, right. but thinking through what are some things that we can actually do about it? Yeah. And so far, Matt, I think our advice, just to recap it, I think our advice has been uh, to really figure out the root cause of the apathy um, and try to figure out how to remove any of the of the barriers that are getting in the way. Um, but also to use the guiding coalition to think it through and then create an action plan around it as well. Um, anything you would add to that? No, so I just would, I would just you know, highlight that a little more. Mm -hmm. A lot of times principals feel like they have to be Superman or Superwoman. Uh, but the reality is none of us have superpowers and we cannot, cannot shoulder all of the burden alone. And if you try to do that, 
mm-hmm. quickly you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to find yourself having the same level of ap- apathy that you're trying to help teachers work through. So I, I just would really, really emphasize the need to have that shared leadership model so that, yes, we're identifying those issues, but as a group, we're working through how we're going to figure those out. And I would just add um, to to do a personal reflection on where you are personally, um, your your level of apathy right now too. I and mean, to just say like, where am I in this process? Really related to what you're saying. If you're a teacher listening, you know, are you feeling apathetic in some ways? If so, why do you think that is? And what is it that you need in order to feel that motivation for this, you know, work? Again, um, if you're a leader and you're feeling like that, what do you need? And and advocating for yourself as well. You know, I think that's a really important uh, reflection that as educators we need to do. Our work is so important um, and kids' lives are at stake, right? So we we can't let that apathy really overwhelm us and and. I think it does start with reflecting on where you currently are and understanding your own level of apathy. Because if I'm honest, and I'm sure Matt, you can relate, like there's times when I felt that too, you know? And (laughs) I was principal during the pandemic. So I can promise (laughs) you. Um, Yeah, it was not it was not my healthiest time period of my life. Um, But also, as we talked about earlier, I wasn't great about using a guiding coalition uh, Mm -hmm. in the way that now I know uh, could be better utilized, and and I just wonder if if I would have if I would have done some things slightly different, tweaked some things uh, back then, if if that same level of stress and anxiety and apathy would yeah. would have uh, been as present in my own personal life at that point in time. Well, and I think we're having this conversation because it feels like you're kind of on a hamster wheel sometimes when you're in your role as a teacher or even as a leader and it, there isn't that time to, or you, or we don't often create the time to reflect and to think about things like this, right? We, we almost just accept, you know, people are tired, people are frustrated, people are overwhelmed. And I think we can actually do more about it than maybe we have. And, and I, I think it starts with figuring out, like we said, the root cause, figuring out how we're going to, do we need to limit our initiatives? Do we need to think about like, if we're going to, if we're going to have 10 things we're going to expect from teachers, is that too many, you know, just really thinking all of that through. And I know in my own experience that I felt like I was on the hamster wheel and I didn't have a chance to like think and stop, or I didn't make the chance. I didn't, I didn't do it enough. So I, my advice is slow down. Um, and this work is not going to happen if we don't think about the reasons for it and try to address those, those barriers, get it off the shelf and actually do something about it. And I think that's, that's the perfect way to kind of end this mini pod and also just yeah. looking forward to our next conversation. We're we're excited about mini pod because again, shorter, uh, we're not we're not we're not bringing authors on anything. It's just a conversation between Jeannie and I 
but we're also going to be able to pump them out just a little bit faster than normal. So uh, we're, this one's coming out obviously today, but we're looking forward to our next episode coming out in the like very near future. And our focus is going to be on accountability. You mentioned it a little bit, Jeannie, um, but you know, what should we hold people accountable to? What's fair to hold people accountable to? That's going to be the conversation to kind of accompany uh, what we talked about today. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about that word. You know, we're going to talk about like what it, what does it mean and why does it have a negative connotation and um, how important it is it you know in in the work actually happening and seeing student results. How important is accountability to that conversation? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Please take the adva take advantage of joining the Facebook group, giving us some feedback on today's mini pods, some ideas, suggestions that you've experienced in your own school that that have really led to working through apathy both at the teacher and leader level um, we would love to hear your feedback and share that during our next episode uh, but Jeannie great conversation today thank you uh, uh, for joining us and, and being a part of this conversation as always make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast more importantly share it with others we I have already eclipsed, uh, and this genius is new one for today, 2.7 thousand listeners uh, in, in just six episodes. And so we are thrilled to death, but we want to see that that number continue to climb so that we can share this message of hope and, and ideas for, for, for what we can do in our buildings moving forward to support all students. Uh, we want to see that to continue to grow. Uh, but again, thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you the next time around. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Real Talk with Jeannie and Matt. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to like and subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode when it drops. Until next time, stay focused, stay vigilant, but most importantly, keep it real.